0: section 9 of stories by foreign authors german authors volume 2 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by william jones bonita springs florida stories by foreign authors german authors volume 2 by various chapter 4 peter schlemiel by Adalbert von camiso chapter 4 i submit myself to thy judgment my dear camiso i do not seek to bias it i have long been a rigid censor of myself and nourished at my heart the worm of remorse this critical moment of my life is ever present to my soul AND I DARE ONLY CAST A HESITATING GLANCE AT IT, WITH A DEEP SENSE OF HUMILIATION AND GRIEF. AH, MY DEAR FRIEND, HE WHO ONCE PERMITS HIMSELF THOUGHTLESSLY TO DEVIATE BUT ONE STEP FROM THE RIGHT ROAD WILL imperceptibly FIND HIMSELF INVOLVED IN VARIOUS INTRICATE PATHS, ALL LEADING HIM FARTHER AND FARTHER ASTRAY. IN VAIN HE BEHOLDS THE GUIDING STARS OF HEAVEN SHINING BEFORE HIM. NO CHOICE IS LEFT HIM. HE MUST DESCEND THE PRECIPICE AND OFFER HIMSELF UP A SACRIFICE TO HIS FATE. AFTER THE FALSE STEP WHICH I HAD RASHLY MADE, AND WHICH ENTAILED A CURSE ON ME, I HAD IN THE wantonness OF PASSION ENTANGLED ONE IN MY FATE, WHO HAD STAKED ALL HER HAPPINESS UPON ME. WHAT WAS LEFT FOR ME TO DO IN A CASE WHERE I HAD BROUGHT ANOTHER INTO MISERY, BUT TO MAKE A DESPERATE LEAP IN THE DARK TO SAVE HER. THE LAST, THE ONLY MEANS, OF RESCUE PRESENTED ITSELF. THINK NOT SO MEANLY OF ME, CAMISO, AS TO IMAGINE THAT I WOULD HAVE SHRUNK FROM ANY SACRIFICE ON MY PART. IN SUCH A CASE IT WOULD HAVE BEEN BUT A POOR RANSOM. No, Kamiso, but my whole soul was filled with unconquerable hatred to the cringing knave and his crooked ways. I might be doing him injustice, but I shuddered at the bare idea of entering into any fresh compact with him. But here a circumstance took place which entirely changed the face of things. I know not whether to ascribe it to excitement of mind, exhaustion of physical strength, for during the past few days I had scarcely tasted anything, or the antipathy I felt to the society of my fiendish companion. But just as I was about to sign the fatal paper, I fell into a deep swoon, and remained for a long time as if dead. The first sound which greeted my ears on recovering my consciousness were those of cursing and imprecation i opened my eyes it was dusk my hateful companion was overwhelming me with reproaches is not this behaving like an old woman come rise up and finish quickly what you are going to do or perhaps you have changed your determination and prefer to lie groaning there i raised myself with difficulty from the ground and gazed around me without speaking a word it was late in the evening and i heard strains of festive music proceeding from the ranger's brilliantly illuminated house groups of company were lounging about the gardens two persons approached and seating themselves on the bench i had lately occupied began to converse on the subject of the marriage which had taken place that morning between the wealthy Mr. Rascal and Minna. All was then over. I tore off the cap which rendered me invisible, and my companion, having disappeared, I plunged in silence into the thickest gloom of the grove, rapidly past Count Peter's bower, toward the entrance gate. But my tormentor still haunted me and loaded me with reproaches and is this all the gratitude I am to expect from you, Mr. Schlemiel? You, whom I have been watching all the very day, until you could recover from your nervous attack? What a fool's part I have been enacting! It is of no use flying from me, Mr. Perverse. We are inseparable. You have my gold, I have your shadow. This exchange deprives us both of peace." Did you ever hear of a man's shadow leaving him? Yours follows me until you receive it again into favor and thus free me from it. Disgust and weariness sooner or later will compel you to do what you should have done gladly at first. In vain you strive with fate. He continued unceasingly in the same tone uttering constant sarcasms about the gold and the shadow till i was completely bewildered to fly from him was impossible i had pursued my way through the empty streets toward my house which i could scarcely recognize the windows were broken to pieces no light was visible the doors were shut and the bustle of domestics had ceased my companion burst into a loud laugh yes yes said he you see the state of things. However, you will find your friend Bendel at home. He was sent back the other day so fatigued that I assure you he has never left the house since. He will have a fine story to tell. So I wish you a very good night. May we shortly meet again." I had repeatedly rung the bell. At last a light appeared, and Bendel inquired from within who was there. The poor fellow could scarcely contain himself at the sound of my voice. The door flew open, and we were locked in each other's arms. I found him sadly changed. He was looking ill and feeble. I too was altered. My hair had become quite gray. He conducted me through the desolate apartments to an inner room which had escaped the general wreck. After partaking of some refreshments, we seated ourselves. And with fresh lamentations, he began to tell me that the gray, withered old man whom he had met with my shadow had insensibly led him such a zigzag race that he had lost all traces of me and at last sank down exhausted with fatigue. That unable to find me, he had returned home when shortly after the mob, at rascal's instigation, assembled violently before the house broke the windows, and by all sorts of excesses completely satiated their fury. Thus they had treated their benefactor. My servants had fled in all directions. The police had banished me from the town as a suspicious character, and granted me an interval of twenty-four hours to leave the territory. Bindel added many particulars as to the information I had already obtained respecting Rascal's wealth and marriage. This villain, it seems, who was the author of all the measures taken against me, became possessed of my secret nearly from the beginning, and tempted by the love of money, had supplied himself with a key to my chest, and from that time had been laying out the foundation of his present wealth. Bendel related all this with many tears, and wept for joy that I was once more safely restored to him, after all his fears and anxieties for me. In me, however, such a state of things only awoke despair. My dreadful fate now stared me in the face in all its gigantic and unchangeable horror. The source of tears was exhausted within me no groans escaped my breast, but with cool indifference I bared my unprotected head to the blast. Bindel said I, you know my fate. This heavy visitation is a punishment for my early sins. But as for thee, my innocent friend, I can no longer permit thee to share my destiny. I will depart this very night. Saddle me a horse. I will set out alone. Remain here, Bindel." I insist on it. There must be some chests of gold still left in the house. Take them. They are thine. I shall be a restless and solitary wanderer on the face of the earth. But should better days arise, and fortune once more smile propitiously on me, then I will not forget thy steady fidelity, for in hours of deep distress thy faithful bosom has been the depository of my sorrows." With a bursting heart worthy bendel prepared to obey this last command of his master for i was deaf to all his arguments and blind to his tears my horse was brought i pressed my weeping friend to my bosom threw myself into the saddle and under the friendly shades of night quitted the sepulchre of my existence indifferent which road my horse should take for now on this side of the grave i had neither wishes hopes nor fears. After a short time I was joined by a traveller on foot, who, after walking for a while by the side of my horse, observed that as we both seemed to be travelling the same road, he should beg my permission to lay his cloak on the horse's back behind me, to which I silently assented. He thanked me with easy politeness for this trifling favour praised my horse, and then took occasion to extol the happiness and the power of the rich, and fell, I scarcely know how, into a sort of conversation with himself, in which I merely acted out the part of listener. He unfolded his views of human life and of the world, and touching on metaphysics demanded an answer from that cloudy science to the question of questions the answer that should solve all mysteries. He deduced one problem from another in a very lucid manner, and then proceeded to their solution. You may remember, my dear friend, that after having run through the school philosophy, I became sensible of my unfitness for metaphysical speculations, and therefore totally abstained from engaging in them since then i have acquiesced in some things and abandoned all hope of comprehending others trusting as you advised me to my own plain sense and the voice of conscience to direct and if possible maintain me in the right path now this skilful rhetorician seemed to me to expand great skill in rearing a firmly constructed edifice towering aloft on its self-supported basis, but resting on, and upheld by, some internal principle of necessity. I regretted in it the total absence of what I desired to find, and thus it seemed a mere work of art, serving only by its elegance and exquisite finish to captivate the eye. Nevertheless, I listened with pleasure to this eloquently gifted man, we diverted my attention from my own sorrows to the speaker, and he would have secured my entire acquiescence if he had appealed to my heart as well as to my judgment. In the meantime the hours had passed away, and morning had already dawned imperceptibly in the horizon. Looking up, I shuddered as I beheld in the east all those splendid hues that announced the rising sun. At this hour, when all natural shadows are seen in their full proportions, not a fence or shelter of any kind could I descry in this open country, and I was not alone. I cast a glance at my companion, and shuddered again. It was the man in the gray coat himself. He laughed at my surprise, and said, without giving me time to speak, You see, according to the fashion of this world, Mutual convenience binds us together for a time. There is plenty of time to think of parting. The road here along the mountain, which perhaps has escaped your notice, is the only one that you can prudently take. Into the valley you dare not descend. The path over the mountains would but reconduct you to the town which you have left. My road, too, lies this way. I perceive you change color at the rising sun. I have no objections to let you have the loan of your shadow during our journey, and in return you may not be indisposed to tolerate my society. You have now no bendel, but I will act for him. I regret that you are not over-fond of me, but that need not prevent you from accepting my poor services. The devil is not so black as he is painted. Yesterday you provoked me, I own but now that is all forgotten and you must confess i have this day succeeded in beguiling the wearisomeness of your journey come take your shadow and make a trial of it sun had risen and we were meeting with passengers so i reluctantly consented with a smile he immediately let my shadow glide down to the ground and i beheld it take its place by that of my horse and gaily trotted along with me. My feelings were anything but pleasant. I rode through groups of country people who respectfully made way for the well-mounted stranger. Thus I proceeded, occasionally stealing a sidelong glance with a beating heart from my horse at the shadow once my own. But now, alas, accepted as a loan from a stranger, or rather a fiend, He moved on carelessly at my side, whistling a song. He being on foot and I on horseback, the temptation to hazard a silly project occurred to me. So suddenly, turning my bridle, I set spurs to my horse, and at full gallop struck into a by-path. But my shadow, on the sudden movement of my horse, glided away, and stood on the roads quietly awaiting the approach. Of its legal owner. I was obliged to return, abashed toward the gray man, but he very coolly finished his song and with a laugh set my shadow to rights again, reminding me that it was at my option to have it irrevocably fixed to me by purchasing it on just and equitable terms. I hold you, said he, by the shadow and you seek in vain to get rid of me a rich man like you requires a shadow unquestionably and you are to blame for not having seen this sooner i now continued my journey on the same road every convenience and even luxury of life was mine i moved about in peace and freedom for i possessed a shadow though a borrowed one and all the respect due to wealth was paid to me but a deadly disease preyed on my heart. My extraordinary companion, who gave himself out to be the humble attendant of the richest individual in the world, was remarkable for his dexterity. In short, his singular address and promptitude admirably fitted him to be the very bull ideal of a rich man's lackey. But he never stirred from my sight and tormented me with constant assurances that a day would most certainly come when if it were only to get rid of him i should gladly comply with his terms and redeem my shadow thus he became as irksome as he was hateful to me i really stood in awe of him i had placed myself in his power since he had effected my return to the pleasures of the world which I had resolved to shun, he had the perfect mastery of me. His eloquence was irresistible, and at times I almost thought he was in the right. A shadow is indeed necessary to a man of fortune, and if I chose to maintain the position in which he had placed me, there was only one means of doing so. But on one point I was immovable. Since I had sacrificed my love for Minna, and thereby blighted the happiness of my whole life i would not now for all the shadows in the universe be induced to sign away my soul to this being i knew not how it might end one day we were sitting by the entrance of a cavern much visited by strangers who ascended the mountain the rushing noise of a subterranean torrent resounded from the fathomless abyss THE DEPTH OF WHICH EXCEEDED ALL CALCULATION. HE WAS, ACCORDING TO HIS FAVORITE CUSTOM, EMPLOYING ALL THE POWERS OF HIS LAVISH FANCY, AND ALL THE CHARM OF THE MOST BRILLIANT COLORING, TO DEPICT TO ME WHAT I MIGHT EFFECT IN THE WORLD BY VIRTUE OF MY PURSE, WHEN ONCE I HAD RECOVERED MY SHADOW. WITH MY ELBOWS RESTING ON MY KNEES, I KEPT MY FACE CONCEALED IN MY HANDS, AND LISTENED TO THE FALSE FRIEND, my heart torn between the temptation and my determined opposition to it. Such indecision I could no longer endure, and resolved on one decisive effort. You seem to forget, said I, that I tolerate your presence only on certain conditions, and that I am to retain perfect freedom of action. You have but to command, and I depart, was all his reply. The threat was familiar to me i was silent he then began to fold up my shadow i turned pale but allowed him to continue a long silence ensued which he was the first to break you cannot endure me mr schlemiel you hate me i am aware of it but why is it perhaps because you attacked me on the open plain in order to rob me of my invisible bird's nest or is it because you thievishly endeavoured to seduce away the shadow which i had entrusted you my own property confiding implicitly in your honour i for my part have no dislike to you it is perfectly natural that you should avail yourselves of every means presented either by cunning or force to promote your own interests that your principles should also be of the strictest sort and your attentions of the most honourable description these are fancies with which i have nothing to do i do not pretend to such strictness myself each of us is free i to act and you to think as seems best did i ever seize you by the throat to tear out of your body that valuable soul i so ardently wish to possess DID I EVER SENT MY SERVANT TO ATTACK YOU, TO GET BACK MY PURSE, OR ATTEMPT TO RUN OFF WITH IT FROM YOU? I HAD NOT A WORD TO REPLY. WELL, WELL, HE EXCLAIMED, YOU DETEST ME, AND I KNOW IT, BUT I bear YOU NO MALICE ON THAT ACCOUNT. WE MUST PART, THAT IS CLEAR. ALSO I MUST SAY THAT YOU BEGIN TO BE VERY TIRESOME TO ME. ONCE MORE LET ME ADVISE YOU TO FREE YOURSELF ENTIRELY FROM MY TROUBLESOME PRESENCE BY THE PURCHASE OF YOUR SHADOW. I HELD OUT THE PURSE TO HIM. NO, MR. SHLAMIL, NOT AT THAT PRICE. WITH A DEEP SIGH I SAID, BE IT SO, THEN, LET US PART, I ENTREAT. CROSS MY PATH NO MORE. THERE IS SURELY ROOM ENOUGH IN THE WORLD FOR US BOTH. LAUGHING, HE replied, I GO. But just allow me to inform you how you may at any time call me whenever you have a mind to see your most humble servant you have only to shake your purse the sound of the gold will bring me to you in an instant in this world everyone consults his own advantage but you see i have thought of yours and clearly confer upon you a new power oh this purse it would still prove a powerful bond between us had the moth begun to devour your shadow but enough you hold me by my gold and may commend your servant at any distance you know that i can be very serviceable to my friends and that the wretch are my peculiar care this you have observed as to your shadow allow me to say you can only redeem it on one condition recollections of former days came over me and i hastily asked him if he had obtained mr thomas john's signature he smiled and said it was by no means necessary from so excellent a friend where is he for god's sake tell me i insist on knowing with some hesitation He put his hand into his pocket and drew out the altered and pallid form of Mr. John by the hair of his head, whose livid lips uttered the awful words, Justo judicio dei judicatus sum, Justo judicio dei condemnatus sum. I am judged and condemned by the just judgment of God. I was horror-struck and instantly throwing the jingling person to the abyss, I exclaimed, Wretch! In the name of heaven I conjure you to be gone! Away from my sight! Never appear before me again! With a dark expression on his countenance, he rose, and immediately vanished behind the huge rocks which surround the place. End of section 9. Chapter 4. Peter Schlemiel by Adalbert von Camiso